Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Thank you so much for being here with us, and welcome back to Generation Z's Kraken News Report number 228. Today is July 1st, 2022. Today we are reporting on the dominant stories from the week, and thanks to the feedback I've received from my first crack at the Kraken, going to keep the report today to a more brief duration, especially because it's Friday, and I know that that's more so the routine that our audience has uh, gotten accustomed to. And for the record, Dave is doing perfectly well, and thank you all for your concern and wondering. He is very grateful, and we assure you that his absence means only good things for the show. Now, without further ado, uh, let's get started. Right off the bat, Ghislaine Maxwell sentenced to 20 years for helping Jeffrey Epstein sexually abuse teenage girls. Now, recall that earlier in the week, we reported how she was on suicide watch and just got to keep that in mind here. Uh, this sentencing is, it's we can do its own deep dive on the whole story of Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, we're not doing that today, but I just want to bring it to your attention that we still don't know who she was trafficking these girls to. So just keep that in mind. We are going to do a, a deep dive on this whole topic later on. Uh, you Please actually review uh, the videos that Dave did if you want a bit of a laugh on Prince Andrew's interview. Uh, Dave did a fantastic analysis with that and uh, very interesting but uh, we'll continue on with the news for today. Uh, next up, we have from CTV News, R. Kelly sentenced to 30 years in sex trafficking case from the Associated Press. So back-to-back -back big news in the uh, industry of sex trafficking and dealing with children. Horrible stuff, but it is, we can, we can, we would like to think that it is good to see that these people are being held accountable. So uh, R. Kelly, 55 years old, he didn't give a statement and he showed no reaction on hearing his penalty. Uh, we don't need to get into the details of this story. This has been beaten to death, um, but this is just what happened on this week. So interesting to see. Next up from RT News, we have a plant-based human meat burger advertisement wins award. So a Swedish food brand has debuted a patty they claim tastes like people. <laughs> this is a bit of a doozy. Um, they claim that it is uh, for comedy. It is a Halloween themed. Uh, they said that no humans were injured in the development of this product. And they do admit themselves that the burger was available only in only in Sweden for Halloween of 2021 because, according to the ad, otherwise it would be creepy. And we're not going to get too much deeper into this one, but just keep in mind about some of the stuff that's been circulating. And perhaps you may want to watch a movie called Soylent Green. Next up from CBC. This the next series of news reports are actually pretty COVID heavy. I'm not going to be giving an opinion on the matters, but we're just reporting what's going on. 
So first up, the FDA is leaning toward a new COVID-19 shot that targets the original strain and the emerging Omicron variants. From Reuters, from June 29th, the FDA to finalize decision soon. Vaccine makers say they could be ready to mass produce by October. The article says that uh, advisors to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Tuesday recommended a change in the design of COVID-19 booster shots this fall in order to combat more recently circulating variants of the coronavirus. The FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee voted 19 to 2 that the next wave of COVID booster shots should include a component that targets the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. It's also not yet clear who would be offered a tweaked booster. They might only be urged for older adults or those at high risk from the virus. Well, we have heard this story before, and we really don't uh, have the means to go deep into this on YouTube. So we're just going to keep with reporting on it. But feel free to subscribe to our Patreon at Generation Z slash Patreon and join our Zoom calls and our Telegram group chats where we talk a lot more about these things in much uh, bigger detail with a lot more opinions. Next up, we've got uh, from CTV, which is a Canadian news network. The risk of shingles rises after COVID-19 infection, says study. Adults over 50 who have had COVID-19 are more likely to experience a shingles outbreak, according to a new research. New research. A study published in the journal Open Forum Infectious Diseases last month looked at data from 400,000 people who have been infected with COVID-19 and 1.6 million who had not. It found adults over 50 who have had COVID-19 are 15% more likely to develop shingles within six months. The risk grows to 21% for those who have been hospitalized with COVID-19. So, uh, yeah, this is all of these, uh, this whole sequence of the COVID uh, stories. We know that uh, I- I'm doing it so heavy because we haven't been as consistent with the Kraken. So there there is a lot to catch up in the world of the coronavirus. But again, We're not really sharing our opinions on the matter. We're just telling you what the news is telling us. Next up. Now, this is a pretty interesting one. And I was reading the documents about this. So the European Commission defiant over von der Leyen's Pfizer text. This is from The Guardian. The EU executive defends its right not to keep records of president's messages after rebuke from the ombudsman. So this story is explaining that, well, I'll just read it to you. The European Commission has said it cannot and does not need to find text messages that its president, Ursula von der Leyen, exchanged with the boss of Pfizer at the height of the pandemic, fueling its dispute with the EU's internal watchdog. The Commission's defense of its right does not keep records of von der Leyen's text messages that were published on Wednesday by the EU's official watchdog. The European Ombudsman, which conducted an initial investigation after a complaint about transparency. In a sharp rebuke issued in January, the Ombudsman, Emily O'Reilly, accused the EU executive of maladministration. She said text messages concerning EU policies and decisions should be treated as documents subject to EU transparency rules. Now, this is this whole scenario, this saga, it is known as Delete Gate. 
And this arose after the New York Times reported in April 2021 that von der Leyen had exchanged text messages with the Pfizer chief executive, Albert Bourla, forging a relationship that unlocked lucrative deals for life-saving coronavirus vaccines. Now, there was a specific quote that I'm going to try to find for you that was actually uh, on Disclosed TV, where they said that text messages don't, text messages aren't important. So very interesting that they claim after, after the investigation or in their defense that text messages don't show anything in deal in in relations to creating deals yet the new york times report that is highlighted in this guardian article was actually called text messages and phone calls are the reason why pfizer and the eu got their vaccine deals so bit conflicting there but very interesting that this story has come out next up we've got russia scraps remaining covid-19 restrictions Russia said on Friday, July 1st, so today, that it was ending all restrictions to combat the spread of COVID-19, including the requirement to wear masks, citing a steady decline in deaths from the virus. However, it did not rule out reintroducing restrictive measures if the situation deteriorates. That's very similar to what uh, Canada has done, uh, just in comparison, and this report is from Reuters. Now, next up, we're going straight to the source. Uh, This is Pfizer's own press release that it says from Wednesday, June 29th, Pfizer and BioNTech announce new agreement with U.S. government to provide additional doses of COVID-19 vaccine. So uh, the the press release uh, explains that they have announced a new vaccine supply agreement with the U.S. government to support the continued fight against COVID-19. Under the agreement, the U.S. government will receive 105 million doses. This may include adult Omicron-adapted COVID-19 vaccines subject to authorization from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The doses are planned to be delivered as soon as late summer 2022 and continue into the fourth quarter of this year. The U.S. government will pay the companies 3.2 billion dollars upon receipt of the first 105 million doses. Under the agreement, the U.S. government also has the option to purchase up to 195 million additional doses, bringing the total number of potential doses to 300 million. Yeah, there is a lot of money in the pharmaceutical industry, and this story only uh, adds on to the previous ones that we Uh, reported on. So they are thinking about uh, creating new vaccines that, according to this report, may be Omicron-adapted COVID-19 vaccines. So just uh, interesting as to how profitable these corporations are and how the taxpayers are paying for this, essentially. Next up, this is a story that I've had that I, I've wanted to talk about because it is very fascinating and it provides a different angle to the whole NATO, Russia, U- Ukraine situation. And this is from RT News that two countries are applying to join BRICS, which is the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa allegiance. So Iran and Argentina see potential in the BRICS alliance. 
The Islamic Republic of Iran has officially submitted its applications to join the group of five leading economies made up of Brazil, Russia, India, China, China, and South Africa, the foreign ministry in Tehran announced on Monday. The move comes after the Iranian president addressed the BRICS summit last week. So interesting that uh, if we see uh, in all the mainstream Western news outlets, all the focus is on NATO summit in Madrid. But what we haven't really been hearing is that BRICS had their summit as well a week before NATO had their summit. And essentially, BRICS is the rival to uh, NATO and to the Western supremacy, the Western system as a whole, the Federal Reserve, the World Bank, the IMF. So uh, for those that uh, aren't too familiar with this, uh, please check out uh, on our Patreon account uh, my series Dose of Reality, where I go deep into explaining the financial uh, infrastructures that uh, we see that are at play, that are uh, kind of the old guard and the new guard where BRICS is essentially the Eastern economic superpowers versus the Western economic superpowers. Next up from the South China Morning Post, the article says, China tells UN expansion of NATO or a NATO-like body into the Asia Pacific will stir up conflict. So the sub headlines say that Beijing is concerned U.S. is building an Asian version of NATO as Australia, Japan, New Zealand, and South Korea attend the NATO meeting for the first time. Washington wants Beijing to pressure Moscow into ending the war in Ukraine, given its relationship with Russia, says U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. So this is a bit ominous because it seems similar to how Russia was warning the the Western countries that their NATO expansion uh, into close closer to the Russian territory could be pro- provocation and conflict. And here we have China saying the exact same thing. So we'll see how it goes. But these countries are being upfront, apparently, it seems, with their concerns about NATO. Next up. We have from RT News, Joe Biden's money used to pay for prostitutes, source the media. Hunter Biden reportedly spent over 30000 on Eastern European escorts, prompting his bank to block transfers to Russian addresses. So this is obviously from RT News. It could be all of this could absolutely be propaganda. Most likely it all is. But we're still reporting it because it's something that isn't getting addressed in the mainstream Western news. And this, I find this article interesting because it talks about Hunter Biden's specific Russian escorts. And I just wonder why Russian escorts. And I'm even giving this article some daylight because we actually know that the laptop was real. It has been authenticated. So as reports come out talking about what was discussed through text or on the laptop itself, we have to actually give it merit. So just keep that in mind. And this article uh, explains that 
the according to the report, Hunter racked up the five-figure bill in a five-month period from November 2018 to March 2019, when his father was preparing to run for president. During that time, Joe Biden wired his son a total of a hundred thousand, though it is unclear whether he knew what his son was spending the money on. Text messages on Hunter's laptop hard drive purportedly showed conversations with Eva, an employee of an exclusive model agency named Uber GFE. And I feel like that is adequate for covering this story. Um, we'll see what else comes up from this one. Next up, we have uh, from CTV News. Dutch Central Bank apologizes for the role in the slave trade. This is published today, July 1st. The Dutch Central Bank, the DNB, on Friday apologized for its role in the 19th century slave trade and said it would fund projects to raise awareness of slavery and to mitigate the effects it still has on people. The quote is from the Central Bank Governor Klaas Knott. On behalf of DNB, I apologize today to all people who, by the personal choices of my predecessors, were reduced to the color of their skin. He said in a speech at a ceremony commemorating the abolishment of slavery in the Netherlands in 1863, DNB says it aimed it, it DNB said it aimed to spend up to 10 million euros in the next 10 years on educational and health projects that could mitigate the lasting effects of slavery. So, obviously connected to the Dutch West India Company. Uh, where uh, this article says operated ships estimated to have traded some 600,000 slaves. So it is good that they are acknowledging it and and uh, holding responsibility. However, we will see how accountable they truly are and if this even comes from anything. And as a Canadian, I know that apologies can really mean nothing. So just we'll just keep that in mind. Next up, we're going to the Daily Mail UK, and I know that this isn't one of the, the most like mainstream news sources, but um, this is one of the only ones that seem to be covering this story. And the uh, let's see from well, I'll find the date for you. This is from June twenty eighth. Senate Sergeant at Arms Michael Stenger, who was in charge of capital security on January sixth, and who blamed the professional agitators dies suddenly, hours before the surprise hearing that was moved up because of, quote, safety concerns for Mark Meadows, top aide. So, of course, this is uh, fairly shocking. Um, uh, we're, we're not covering the January 6th committee stuff. We're going to wait for that to die down and report all angles of it uh, because there's multiple testimonies. But this was the story that actually caught my attention the most from all of it. And of course, when somebody dies mysteriously, who's supposed to be a very significant person in the whole uh, situation, you got to ask what happened. Um, you suicided, uh, legit, but it even says his sudden death on Monday came the same day an unexpected additional hearing of the committee investigating the riot was announced. So... Yeah, very interesting to see the the silence from the Western news about this. And that's why we're going to the Daily Mail for this story. Okay, uh, as you can see in the top bar, I've only got a few more stories left because I'm trying to keep this more compact for our audience. So thank you again for giving me this opportunity. And let's continue. So this is uh, Al Jazeera. 
and we're looking at the United States kills a senior leader of Al-Qaeda linked group in Syria. U.S. military says it carried out a raid targeting Abu Hamza al-Yemeni, leader of the al-Qaeda-aligned group Haras al-Din. And my first instinct when I saw this was, oh, al-Qaeda is still going on? Because that we really haven't been hearing much about it. But unfortunately, yes, there are these terrorist organizations that are still wreaking havoc in various parts of the world. It's, it's awful, but it is happening. And can't really say one. It's really hard to tell, like, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? It doesn't seem like there's really any good guys and bad guys. It's all so blurred. And we're not going to do a deep dive onto the history of Al-Qaeda and, and all that with the Western intervention. We're just simply telling you that this happened. And the attack on Monday targeted Abu Hamza al-Yemeni, who was a senior leader of Al-Qaeda aligned Haras al-Din. While he was traveling alone on a motorcycle, the U.S. Central Command said in a statement. And of course, we even have to question the U.S. Central Command. We have to question the reports. Uh, all of this stuff, we're not there on the ground, as Dave says so often. So we don't, we don't know what is really going on. We have to be vigilant and just all we can do is sift through the reports that we're being told. Next up, uh, we're looking at The Guardian again. And Xi Jinping hails China's rule over Hong Kong on 20th anniversary of the handover. The Chinese president says one country, two systems will endure and democracy flourishes after unprecedented unpicking of freedoms. So the, uh, this story is uh, relevant because of the tension and conflict going all over the world with the Russia and Ukraine, and you've still got uh, China, Hong Kong, the Western's uh, opinions of, of what's going on in, in the Chinese territories. And in, it's interesting that after swearing, the, the article says, after swearing in a new hardline chief executive, John Lee, in a solemn ceremony on Friday morning, the Chinese president laid out his vision for the city and its administrators. On his first trip outside mainland China since the pandemic began, he vowed that one country, two systems, a governance model under which Hong Kong was promised it would retain some autonomy and freedoms for 50 years, would endure. So, yeah, uh, interesting. We're not going to go too deep into this. There's so much to unpack. Um, but we'll see what progresses. You know, hopefully it does work out for the best. Uh, as Dave says so often, we know that the innocents, the citizens are the ones that suffer the most. Um, we're not here to criticize the, the Chinese people or the people from Hong Kong. We're not here to criticize any of the citizens of any of these countries. We're simply we're reporting on the news and talking about the regimes, actually. And even then, we want to be delicate because we don't know. We're not experts. Uh, we're just trying to understand what's going on and help our, uh, and help our audience uh, be up to date on what is going on in the world. Next up. Now, this is very interesting in the time of uh, the gun controversy. From The Guardian, a quarter of Americans open to taking up arms against government, poll says. The survey of 1,000 registered U.S. voters also revealed that most Americans agree government is corrupt and rigged. More than a quarter of U.S. residents feel so estranged from the government that they may feel it might soon be necessary to take up arms against it, a poll released on Thursday claimed. Uh, yeah, we're just going to leave that there. 
we're not going to go too deep into uh, gun rights and all that, uh, given that I, I am Canadian and I it, it's a, a bit of a removed culture from me. But this is uh, very interesting. And the fact that The Guardian is reporting it. OK, well, uh, yeah, definitely. I see why the government wants to take away their guns. We'll just leave it at that. Next up, now this is a bit of an interesting, uh, more abstract uh, report uh, from The Guardian as well on the genetics category. The earliest Pacific seafarers were matrilocal society, study suggests. A DNA analysis of 164 individuals from, from 2,800 to 300 years ago shows men would move to be with their wives. So they were a matri-local uh, society. Very interesting. Uh, personally, I love the idea of matriarchal societies. To me, that implies a balance with uh, masculine and feminine. I wouldn't be surprised in the least if the societies before this current patriarchy, patriarchal society we're in were more feminine-based. And this is just an interesting one, and it's a more fun one. Uh, so for those that would like to know the East, uh, earliest Pacific seafarers, the geographical locations were, uh, Australia, New Guinea, and Solomon Islands. They also, uh, were, uh, living in Taiwan at one point. And the expansion that this article is talking about, uh, included the region called Micronesia, which is about 2000 small islands north of the equator, including Guam, the Marshall Islands, the Caroline Islands, Palau, and the Northern Mo uh, Mariana Islands. This study was published in Journal Science. Next up, one of our last three stories for today is that Hell's Angel Motorcycle Club leader Sonny Barger dies at age 83. Barger founded the Oakland chapter in 1957 and became the group's U.S. president, bringing them to international notoriety. That is just very interesting. Uh, I don't know too much about Hell's Angels, but they seem to be one of the most uh, well-known gangs. Uh, the highlight from this article that I wanted to point out uh, was where in his autobiography he published two decades ago, Barger himself said that the Hell's Angels are not a collection of cutthroat antisocial bikers. Rather, Barger claimed Hell's Angels mostly behave themselves, enjoying their out-of-date motorcycles and hard partying. Interesting. And here we have from Al Jazeera about the European Union. The European Union countries approve climate laws, 2035 fossil fuel car ban. So the 27E European Union countries agree to support the 2035 fossil fuel car ban and compromise on fund to shield citizens from CO2 costs. So essentially, what it's saying is that. <laughs> uh, the European Union countries have reached a deal backing a stricter climate rules, backing stricter climate rules that will eliminate carbon emissions from new cars by 2035, and multi-billion euro fund to shield poor citizens from carbon dioxide costs. So I wonder what type of vehicle will you be able to buy in the European Union in the year 2036? Interesting. And just keep in mind of the UN 2030 Sustainable Development Goals, 
Uh, we go deep into that on Dose of Reality on Patreon's uh, uh, Generation Z. So just maybe you want to check that out if you want to learn more about that. Perhaps we can do some public episodes on that, but not for the Kraken. And the final report that we have for today is from The Guardian, and it's about sports. Kevin Durant requests trade from Brooklyn Nets in the NBA bombshell. Durant, 33, asks for trade after three seasons with Brooklyn. ESPN reports the 12-time All-Star is interested in the Suns and the Heat. The NBA free agency period officially starts Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Which would happen today, actually. So I am simply bringing this up to our attention because of his age, 33. And if anyone is interested in numeral, uh, numerology or gematria, this could definitely have some significance. Um, especially when we're uh, using what Dark Journalist calls the ex-steganography or what Ani Osaru, a friend of the show, refers to as the cryptocracy. Um, they like to communicate to us through numbers. So this article, the, the timing of that, very interesting. But there we have it for today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And we will see you all very, very soon. Thank you all so much. Have a great day.